This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I promise you, you will want to get your pen and your paper out. I know, I still got pen and paper. I know, it's it's the age thing. It's the You can see it in the hair if you're close enough. But today, I have Matt Forbes from Harbor Trust, and he is going to explain what almost kind of, you know, broke the internet in real estate, <laughs> at least when I saw it, Daniel Pierce, a friend of ours, aired his company, Harbor Trust, and how they sell land. And I mean, from acres to, you know, even smaller parcels, but they do it at a price that a lot of you, even in these tough times, will be able to afford. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Kellen. Thanks for having me. Really happy to be here. Thank you. And I I just want to throw it out there so people, because some folks saw the deals and they said, how can I buy acres that I've never even seen? You know, it's on the border of Mexico and Texas and it's, you know, 5000 or $5,500. You know, is this a real thing? And do you own the land outright? Yeah. Yeah. So the answer is we do own the land outright, right? It's a, it's a, um, it's a real estate niche that um, almost no one knows about. There's uh, probably a couple hundred of us who do this. And, you know, the model is really simple, right? We find land that the owners don't want to own anymore, right? So mom and dad bought a piece of land or dad did and didn't tell mom and they passed away and they gave it to their kids. And the kids are like, I, I don't want 10 acres in the middle of nowhere in Texas, right? I don't want to pay the taxes on that. But because, you know, the retail price is uh, 10 or 15 or 20 grand, you can't go get a real estate agent to go sell it because they're not going to make enough money. And now you're stuck with it. And then year after year after year, you pay taxes and, and you, you hate it a little bit more until you get a letter in the mail from me. And I say, look, here's who I am. I'm a, I'm a land investor. Um, you know, I'm not going to offer you a retail price for this. I'm going to offer you something that's, you know, crazy cheap. But if you want a few thousand bucks for it, I'll buy it and I'll pay the back taxes and off we go. And, you know, every day we get people who return our mail saying, you know what? I'd way rather have $3,000 in cash than pay the $400 a year in taxes. So send me the check and let's go. And so we buy them for cash myself and I have a bunch of investors who I work with and we turn around and we actually sell them on the internet. But the crazy thing we do is we sell them on terms. So owner financing. And so what that allows to do is really serve a whole group of people who, you know, don't have $20,000 to go buy that piece of property, but they do have $500 down and, you know, $200 a month or $150 a month or whatever it is. And so we'll sell them on terms for, you know, 90 months or 50 months or 110 or whatever it is. And we're the bank. We keep it really, really easy. There are some people who do what I do who charge insurance or uh, um, like, interest. We don't do that. We don't really believe in it. Frankly, it's a pain in the butt with the IRS. Um, And so that's it. You know, we we advertise on Facebook. That's um, how Danielle found us. And uh, she scooped up a great property. And we were blessed when she did a video. We didn't even really know who she was. And all of a sudden, you know, she broke my website. (laughs) And she broke it twice. 
with all of her fans. So it's been a crazy, you know, couple of months um, here at the company. Now that is great. And, you know, she did that, you know, I don't know, just to do it. I represent influencers and I could say, if you ever want the website to break again, tell influencers <laughs> like Danielle to, you know, Hey, we have a commission referral fee in there. It may not be the biggest, but it's something. And many of them will just run. I, I, I mean, the, the payouts that we do are like, you know, influencers just happy to get that money for mentioning something. Sure. So, you know, just put that in the, the, the back. We're going to, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. I mean, we sold, she had uh, like, she had five, almost 5,000 views of that video and we didn't pay her. We didn't do anything. She was, she came in probably six months ago and she said, hey, I'm looking at this property I see on Facebook. And we're like, yeah, sorry, that's old. Like you're, you know, you're like five days late. And she said, okay, well just, you know, put me on the mailer list. And we're like, okay. And we, you know, we send out emails and uh, she saw a very similar property that we had. Um, and she bought it within probably six minutes. She's like, I don't want to miss out. So she immediately put the down payment. I mean, we sent the email out at 10 and then 10.04, a down payment was taken. Um, so I'm definitely a fan of the influencer model. We'll have to talk about it for sure. Awesome, man. I just want to let the audience know, like, well, Kellen, how do you know these properties really exist? <laughs> I took my own family. I told Matt, you know, right before we started to Punta Gorda, and, you know, I saw the potential and I really liked the land. And my wife, um, you know, told me, is this Dave Ramsey approved? Um, you know, and I said, well, I mean, I, I can buy it cash. I could buy it a, a lot of different ways. But, you know, she, she wanted me to think about some, some building that we're doing yeah. um, elsewhere. And she said, you know, I, I like it as well. Just um, let me know kind of where you want to pull that money from. And I'm, I'm still kind of just thinking because I, man, I, I just love that island type vibe. I mean, I, I'm right by the water as well, but it's different because it's smaller and I like small. So you have these opportunities, you know, in various states. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what is the niche of this type of real estate? Is, does it have a name or can we make up a name right now? Uh, it's just land investing, you know, um, some people call it flipping dirt. Um, you know, some people will buy it super cheap and just, and only sell it for cash. And so that's a good little, uh, niche to be in. Um, I like, I think there's a lot of service to the community when you do it on terms, when you flip it for cash, you exclude most of the market, right? Cause they don't have 10 or 20 grand or whatever it is. I mean, and you can do this by the way, it was really expensive properties. We don't. Um, but I like the idea that people who, who have it in their head, there's no way I'm ever going to own property, right. That they can for 700 bucks or $500 or whatever it is, right. That they can start to own property on a land contract. And I think that that's a good thing for people to do, right. If you live, you know, if you live in a place where you've never owned land before, there's something to it. You know, the big man, he's not making any more of this stuff. It's pretty finite at this point. Right. And so, you know, the property that you looked at is a little bit different than what we usually have because it's an infield lot in Florida. You know, there's power at the street. The, some of the streets are paved, some aren't. But, you know, that's an up and coming area. Right. So you're going to buy that. You're going to make all the appreciation starting the day you put it, you know, put down the down payment because you own the land contract. Right. You have the rights to the property. 
And so for a lot of people, they like that and they go, hey, maybe I'll retire to Florida. Maybe I won't. And in 20 years, maybe it's worth more. And it probably will be because it's, you know, it's Florida, right? Whereas, you know, we have a lot of property out in Colorado and Texas. And this stuff is, the stuff in Texas is like, you drive, and I've been there. You drive to the end of the world, you take a left, you drive another 45 minutes, like you're here, right? Don't get a flat because there's no AAA and there's no cell phone service. Like you're going to die, that kind of a place. Um, and the stuff in Colorado is kind of in between, but it's, you know, five acres, mountain views. And so we're actually getting a lot of people who are trying to get out of the city and going, you know, hey, I, I want a place to go just in case because it's, you know, times are kind of crazy right now. And so there's a lot of different uses. Most of the time it's, I'm going to take my family, I'm going to go rent an RV or maybe I have an RV and I'm going to get out of the city and I'm going to go decompress. There's nobody around. It's quiet. It's peaceful. It's beautiful. I would say that's probably my average buyer for the out West kind of stuff. But yeah, it's good. Now with having the land, you know, let's talk about Texas. We had our house in Texas um, at one point and, you know, I was all excited being in Lubbock, Texas. And I'm like, oh man, um, oil might strike. I'll be the Black Beverly Hillbillies, which a show that, you know, <laughs> some of the younger audience won't like Beverly Hillbillies, what's that? But, you know, can we get mineral rights? Do you focus on getting land where you can have the mineral rights or is every state kind of different? So every state's totally different. Uh, mineral rights, generally speaking, especially in Texas, given all the oil, that stuff was stripped out 30 and 40 and 50 years ago. The likelihood of getting mineral rights to your property in Texas is nil, right? Now you can still put a well in and you can go live there, but we're really talking about the surface area um, mm. in, in this community. Mineral right investing is like a whole other kettle of fish, right? That's a whole other thing. And I know, I know a guy who um, you know, way, way back, you know, he's, I don't know, he's like 300 years old. So way back mid, I don't know, 50s, 60s, they bought up water rights in Texas to the, uh, to the big underground aquifers. And although a landowner can still build a well, right, for your own personal use, you couldn't go do that and have a thousand acre ranch, right? I mean, you would need the actual water rights. And so he made his living on water rights. There's water rights, there's mineral rights. I mean, it's, there's a lot that's going on. Um, our side of it is definitely, I want to go build a cabin. I hate people. I want to go away. <laughs> I want to, you know, get away from the world. That's a lot of our, a lot of our buyers are like that. Okay. And I, I definitely get that because as you, you know, aforementioned, it's, it, things aren't getting any more simpler. Everything is complicated. Um, everything is kind of flipped in, in my mind. I'm like, but everything that was wrong is right now. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a, a, a different time. Um, and so that, we do invest investing overseas. My wife is from West Africa, so it makes it a lot easier. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, with not having mineral rights, I, I found in Texas, if you lived outside of the city, mm -hmm. it, you had more of a chance of getting that. So have you found like if you're on the border of Mexico and Texas, are those still stripped? Or is there any like likelihood where you've seen, you know, a property claim with mineral rights? Um, I've seen the occasional one. Yeah. Um, most of the, so the cities are sort of a different ball game. Um, I primarily have land that is pretty far away, very remote in Texas. Um, and that's where, you know, somebody bought, you know, 200 square miles, 
you know, we're talking 200,000 acres and they will, you know, they would have stripped away the mineral rights. Um, and then they will sell the, they'll, they will, you know, break up the lots into, you know, 50 acres, hundred acres, 250 acres, that kind of stuff, and then sell them off. And that's kind of what's gone on, right? So when you go out there to West Texas specifically, you know, most of the stuff is unpinned, meaning you don't know where the corners are. Um, there are ranches that have been developed where, you, where it is pinned, more like what you would find in a housing development. But you just, you, there's two things you got to be really smart about if you're going to go buy land. Number one, who are you buying it from? Are they legitimate? Do they actually own the land? right? That's a big thing. There are people in this space who are not good people, right? And so it's really easy to find out if somebody owes the land, you just simply call the county assessor. It's not hard. You could find the county assessor's phone number in eight seconds on Google. And you just call him and you say, this is the property. There's usually an APN or a property ID. Think of it as like a social security number for the property, right? And they can go in and they can look on the county records and say, okay, this is who owns it, right? Most of the time, that kind of information is online, but depending on the county, it might be out of date. Where like, I have a couple of properties right now that, you know, they still say the last guy owns it, right? And I'm like, no, if you call the county, it really is me. It'll say Harbor Trust or, you know, Matt Forbes. Um, so that's one side, right? Is, is uh, you know, do they own the property? And then the other is like, do you sort of know, like, and trust the person who's doing it? Because when I, you know, if you picked up one of those Punta Gorda lots, right? I'm gonna sell it to you on a land contract. Right. Meaning I still have the deed. Right. It's still in my name. Now you have legal rights to the property. We're going to draw up a contract between my lawyers and you. Right. So you can go do what you want with the property within reason. Right. You can't go build a house until it's paid off, that kind of a thing. But you control it legally. Right. But you've got to make sure that I control it legally, too. Um, and so we encourage all of our all of our buyers to you know, get in contact with the county because we want it to be on the up and up. Right. Yeah. And, and, and just for clarification, once mm -hmm. it is all paid off, yep. it bears. It, there's no like balloon payment or anything. No, that, like that. no and again, that's one where like, I know people who do it that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's, you know, that's crap. Because what you're going to do is you're going to say to somebody, yeah, it's 150 bucks a month. And then at the end, you owe me $25,000. And you know, in your heart, they're never going to pay that. They're not going to have that money. Right. So the way that we work is it's whatever the price is for the month. If it's $150 a month, it's $150. There's a $10, you know, surcharge on there to have all the banking stuff work because we ACH your account. And then there's whatever the taxes are. And so those three things combine for a monthly payment. And that's it. At the end, um, I have 30 days. I go record whatever you want for the deed, right? The deed titling, you know, you get to tell me how you want a deed titled. I record it with the county. They send you the deed and then you go start paying them the taxes instead of me. And that's it. Like we want, this is a big thing in this industry. I don't want you to default. This is not my full-time job, right? This is like a side hustle. And it's, I think it's a really great business to be and I really like it, right? But I don't want you to default because it's a pain in the butt, right? Now I got to go remarket. I got to do all these things and you're going to lose money on the deal and I don't want that. So it's really critical to us and our company that you love your land, right? That you, you know, this is something that you're happy with. And frankly, a lot of people end up paying it off early, you know, because we don't charge interest. It's like some people look at that and they go, well, then why would I ever pay you? I'm like, well, I, I, I would agree. Like I, you know, it's 0%. Dan, Dave Ramsey would love that. Right. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people, they want that ownership. You know, they want to say like, no, 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 this is mine. I mean, I had a woman call me yesterday. 
She goes, what's my balance? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, give me two minutes. It's $16,127.54. She goes, great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a check. And I'm like, okay, you want to give me $16,000? Sure, no problem, right? I'll go, <laughs> once I have that and the cash is in the bank, I'll go record it with the county. You'll have the deed next week. Congratulations, you own the property. Are there any um, stipulations if you do buy some of this land? Sometimes you can get land real cheap at a county auction, but it might be in a flood zone. And then now you have to spend, you know, five to 15 and thousand and up in a certain amount of time. And again, most people, especially now, will be like, wait, I could buy the land for 500 bucks, but I can't get it out of a flood zone. Can't says do the with city. It. So yeah. is that ever come into play? Yeah, like I own two properties in Florida right now that are in a flood zone. So we say it right on the website, like this is in a, it's in a 1% flood, flood zone. So it should flood every, you know, one out of every hundred years, right? Mm. When we talk to the neighbor and the neighbor's like, my house has been here for 25 years, hasn't flooded yet. We're like, okay, right? So the question is, what do you want to do with the property, right? You want to go build your permanent house? Flood zone's probably not your best bet. You want to come down and be in an RV for, you know, two weeks a year and, and drive down to Florida? probably a good idea because it's cheaper than everywhere else, right? So you got to think through that and you do need to do your due diligence and understand, you know, what you're buying, right? Now, the tax lien is a whole other kettle of fish, right? So in Colorado, for example, um, you know, people will look like what we do and they'll sell you tax lien properties. Now they buy them super cheap from the county. There's just that little tiny caveat that um, the person who lost it to the, to the government has seven years to pay that fee and then take the property back and you're completely out of your investment. Oh, so except for that, it's a great investment. But they don't tell you that. Now, that doesn't happen almost ever, right? But if the person you're talking to isn't disclosing that, you know, that's, that's an issue, right? So there's a lot of these little, you know, gotchas that are sort of out there. And it really depends on, you know, who you're buying it from. Right. Um, I don't do any of the tax lien ones like I consider doing it and then just being, again, super upfront and saying, OK, you have a seven year note. Just so you know, this is a tax lien property, which means for the next seven years, that guy could take that property back. Now, if that were to be the case, I would be obligated to refund you all your money. So you, you know, you would be protected. I'm actually the one at risk, you know, in this in that scenario. And after the seven years is up you know, then you're going to pay me. And then that, you know, that issue is gone because it's, it's hit at seven years. Um, but we don't get into it because I can just go get property that isn't that I do. I make less money doing that. I do. And do I care? I don't. It's a lucrative business. Like I'm not a charitable organization, right? I mean, I'm a business. I'm here to make money too, but I do it in a way where the average person with like an average income, they can go, you can go own a couple acres. You can go do it. Definitely, definitely. And folks have to know, you know, the difference between a tax lien and tax deed and, and find out what the states, are, you know, what your rules are in the states. As far as, you know, here's a personal question. Mm -hmm. Your company owns up how much land and in your own personal portfolio, how much? Because I could see like, hey, I don't want to sell this. <laughs> I want to keep this one for myself. So like, <laughs> how do you balance that out? It's, um, it was hard in the beginning because I'm like, oh, like I, you know, this 53 acres in Texas, I don't want to sell this. I went out there. I'm like, it's gorgeous. There's nobody here. Like, I want this. 
And after a while, if you've done this long enough, it is literally, it's a piece of paper. That's how I treat it. It's a deed that I own. It's just a piece of paper. And I'm going to buy it from somebody else and I'm going to flip it to, you know, another party, right? So like my own portfolio of land is everything I haven't sold yet. Minus, you know, like my house that I actually live on. Now I do have a couple of parcels where I'm like emotionally attached to them and I really, really like them. So I don't sell them and I kind of keep them on the side. Um, and I tell myself and I tell my wife, it's because they're going to appreciate, like, like we're going to make the more money on, a, you know, this appreciation. But really what it is, is I like them, you know, mm -hmm. and you, and I buy them pretty cheap. So, you know, it's okay if you keep a few of these things, it's not really the end of the world. Right. But I do know plenty of people who end up building a portfolio after a decade of doing this of, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 properties where they're like, yeah, I don't want to sell these. And I'm like, no, nah, it's really, it's just a piece of paper. You're never going to go out there, right? You're never going to go visit all 50. So pick the top five you like and sell the rest. I mean, you're in the, you know, you're not making money if you don't sell them. Do you know if there's any way, you know, we'll use the Punta Gorda as an example, but you have various properties um, that, you know, we saw stoplights and you see neighbors are just around the corner. If yeah. you buy that pot of land, can they force you, you know, later on to build on it? If you say, look, I'm just kind of holding this until the right time. Maybe I want to build, maybe I want to sell, but can you be forced to, you need to build something? Cause I've seen that in Lubbock, Texas, where if you bought a certain land somewhere, you know, you had to get out of flood zone and you had to do something with it. You just couldn't sit on it. Yeah. So that's more of like housing developments where they're like, okay, we are as a county, as a city, we are going to take this plot of land and we're going to sell it to somebody. And they promise that they're going to go build houses because as a city, we want more housing, right? We want the taxable income. We want, we want all of that. Right. And so that does happen if you are more doing infield lots that are closer to cities, right? Cities want to grow. Um, the stuff we have doesn't generally fall into that category or ever. Um, but the stuff we have like in Florida, it does have restrictions, right? So there are places in Florida. I've got some, some lots in Port Charlotte, for example, beautiful lots, power, water, the whole nine yards, like they're right there. Um, but you can't put an RV on it. They won't let you, you can't build a tiny house. They won't, uh, maybe you can't do a tiny house, but you can't do, um, like a mobile home. Like they won't allow that. They want, they have developed this, you know, this chunk of land for houses. And those are, you know, 0.2 acres, 0.23 acres. And so there's only so much of a house you can build, right, on that lot, but that's what they're looking for. Now in, in that area, you know, you might look at that and go, yeah, okay, I don't really want to be there. But at the same time, guess who just moved in up the street? Home Depot, Kroger, right? Like in 10 years, if that, ha if, if that huge area, and we're talking about thousands of parcels, if that has 20% houses on it now, in 10 years, it might have you know, 35 or 40% houses on it, which means the property value is going to go up dramatically. And that's, that's what's going on when you get closer, right? That, those Punta Gorda ones, like I would imagine that, you know, that most of those are going to end up being houses, right? Over the next you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Right. A lot of the people who buy those properties don't live in Florida. They live in New England and they're all snowbirds. And they're like, okay, so let me get this straight for 200 bucks a month. I can just go have a property when I'm ready to retire. I could have 
0.23 acres in Florida and build a house? Like, sure. Here, take my money. Here you go. I'm like, that's exactly what you can do. But they can't necessarily force you to build. It, there's no stipulation for at least, let's say, for Punta Gorda, where they say you just have an empty lot. Like you own it. You need to do something with it. There's no um, nothing in the contract saying you have to build. In a no, not to my not to my knowledge in in, in the Punta Gorda ones that we have. Um, again, that's usually that's a very well laid out plan with the city, right? Where they're like, okay, we're gonna develop these you know, 150 acres into X size lots, right? And they're going to have a couple of tiers of these lots and we want houses up in the next five years, right? And that's the deal. Like that's what we're going for. These are just more laid out by whoever bought them and then subdivided them and put in roads and electric and, the, you know, and the whole nine yards, right? I mean, getting electric, if you're going to build, it's expensive. It's really expensive. Like I get the question all the time. All right. So this property in Oregon is gorgeous. It's five acres. It's wooded. Like it's my dream. Can I build a house there? And I'm like, you could, but you don't want to, right? Because the electric is, uh, you know, three quarters of a mile away. You got to go put in like six poles. You're going to go spend $45,000 in putting in electric. You're going to spend more, a lot more just running power to your house than you are on the actual property itself. Right. And so I mean, some people don't care, but you know, that's the kind it's, you have to start with the end in mind, right? Am I, it, why am I buying this land? Am I a prepper and I want to build a bug out? Like that's a thing. People are, some people do that. Do I want to go vacation there? And I don't really care about any of these rules. Like that's not a big deal. Do I just want to own property? Like I just, I have that urge. I rent in the city. I want to own something, right? What is the reason? Or am I buying for appreciation? I don't care what the rules are as long as I make money on the deal. Like I'm an investor or, you know, lately, you know, I see where the stock market is going. I don't want to be in there. What can I buy now that's going to hold value? Right. And, you know, land's a great asset for that. Right. So you got to figure out why you want to buy the property and what you long-term want to do with it. Right. And then, you know, you see something you like, <clears throat> you either talk to me or my wife or, you know, we have a sales assistant and, you know, we try to figure out what you want and why you want it and then try to help steer you into the right property. Because otherwise, you know, you bail out after three months or six months or nine months or a year or two. And we don't want that. You know, it's bad yeah. for everybody. And, and so you were talking about, you know, when the value rises, uh, we're new to Florida. We were in Seattle uh, before mm -hmm. that. And we saw that, you know, there was a couple, a nurse and the guy was a teacher and they actually were having to sell their home because when they bought their home, it was, you know, in their price range. Now their home is valued over $2 million and they can't afford the property tax. Can't afford the taxes, yeah. So, sucks. The, yeah, the taxes, you know, we know taxes are going to be guaranteed and always going to go up. But on the average house, what are the taxes for these type of properties? Uh, I, mean, the ta I mean, you know, Florida, they are like 40 bucks a month. Right. Okay. But you go out West, we're talking like the stuff in Texas. It's like, you know, I sold a five acre lot in Texas. I think the taxes were 88 cents a month. You're like, <laughs> well, it's in the middle of nowhere. There are no services. It's not yeah. like you're getting anything for your 88 cents. You can't even buy a Coke for 88 cents. Right. Um, so it all depends on where you are. Like the stuff in, in the mountains in Colorado, I, you know, I want to say those are like 20 bucks a month, but we're not talking. It's, you know, four grand because you have a house, 
right? We're talking raw, undeveloped land. So it's going to be taxed at a very low basis because um, it's just dirt at the end of the day. I mean, trees and all that, but it's really just dirt. You know, so that, you know, that couple in, in Washington, like I feel, I feel horrible that they would have to sell their house at the same time. You know, I bet they're fairly well set up for life now that their house probably went up from a couple hundred thousand to 2 million. Like, I mean, it sucks that you'd have to move a hundred percent, but if somebody came in and said, Hey Matt, you know, your house costs X, I'm going to give you X times 15. Uh, okay. Take my, here. Okay. That, yep. Uh, do I get, do I get 30 days to move? Oh, I do. Okay. I'm out. Bye. Thanks everybody. Like I have four kids. Okay. We're moving. Where are we moving to? Don't care. Let's go. I'm out. So I know not everybody feels that way, but you know, I'll take 2 million for my house today. If anyone wants it, it's apparently it's now for sale. I had no idea. My wife and I got married in Springfield, Massachusetts, where we lived um, after, you know, college and all that. What part of New England, Massachusetts are you in? So I'm in Southern Mass, about an hour south of Boston. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I know, I I mean, I've been out of Springfield a bunch. Yeah. Okay. So you're like closer to the, the Cape then. Yeah, I'm actually, oddly, I'm further south than the Cape, right? So I'm sort of right on the water, but right on the border of Rhode Island. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Like, you go up 20 minutes from where I live, and, you know, there's, like, lots of houses, and it's New England, so it's fairly dense population. There's, like, cows all around me right now. There's just, you know, there's, it's, we, like, we live in a farm land. It's weird. Our, you know, it won't be like that forever, but, you know, my town put in, you have to own... I want to say an acre and a half or two and a half acres to build a house. And so it's, um, it's a right, it's quote, a right to farm community, which is awesome. So there's a lot of farms, there's a lot of farmers, both dairy and corn. And um, it's a great, you know, it's just a good place to live. And this being a side hustle, you know, everyone's probably like, Kellen, ask him what he really does because his name is Forbes. He yeah, might right. have to do anything. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, the name Forbes used to get you a good hotel room when you went to New York City. That's, that's what my dad used to tell me. He used to check in. His name was Stuart Forbes. He would check in as S. Forbes. Back when, like, Steve Forbes was running for president, like, right around that time frame. So yeah. he would go to the city and, you know, whatever with all of his friends, and he would get, like, a penthouse, and they would all get, like, you know, second-floor rooms, right? Um, no, but I work – I'm an enterprise sales guy for a, uh, for a tech company out in California. And so I work from my house. I love my company. I don't want to quit, even though I probably should just to do this. But um, yeah, so I'm in, you know, I'm sort of in sales. It's kind of the same mode for what I do. I just sort of help people understand how to go to market in a B2B setting. And uh, yeah. Man, that, no, that's, that's a, I'm still laughing, chuckling off the, the Forbes story. Cause I'm like, I wish. RM Forbes and you know I could just imagine um you know because people would do that for like reservations I remember oh, yeah. 90s going to New York restaurants and, and you know you couldn't get into certain places but oh no, I'm calling for so-and-so to book so oh yeah dude my that my dad used that he he worked he worked on Wall Street in New York for a time and um so he would do that all the time like part of his job was entertaining you know big big ticket customers so he, every time he had a reservation, it was just S Forbes and he would get in anywhere he wanted. It was, it was like cheating. Right. But I get that question all the time. They're like, wow, Forbes, like 
you know, are you related? And I'm like, yeah, that's why I work like three different jobs. You bet. That, that's why. Yeah, of course. That's why I have a side hustle just for fun. Well, you know, there's there's a documentary. It's old now, but it's it was on Blue Bloods, and even uh, um, Ivanka Trump was in it. And you know, it had folks who had you know, no, they didn't have money problems, but they just wanted to live kind of normal lives because they were like, this life is BS. It's so you know shallow, and so you, you never know. So you guys never know who you're talking. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, those sound like problems I would like to have. That uh, that sounds lovely. I have so much money. I'm not sure what to do with myself. That so, sounds so really good. The next time you do a video thing, you should have like um, a butler come up and say, no, I'm not a fool. <laughs> when the butler comes and <laughs> gives you something. <laughs> more, more coffee, Jeeves. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's awesome. Now, with the success that you are having and that you're mm-hmm. going to have, what's a community give back that you are doing or that you want to do in the future? Yeah, so it's, it's funny you say that. Um, for now, I, I, I think our community give back, right, is actually the business itself, right? Just allowing people, because we don't do like a credit check or anything. Mm-hmm. I allow people, I mean, people come to me and they're like, I just went through bankruptcy. And we're like, yeah, we don't care. Like, I don't care. You give me your word, you're going to pay and we're good. And if you break your word, you're going to lose that money. So you should be, you know, incentivized to, to keep paying. Like, that's the deal. So I like the business model we have. It's why I don't do a lot of cash flips because I think it doesn't serve the community that I want to serve, right, ultimately. Um, but, you know, I think as the business gets bigger, right, we, we sort of need to do more. When we started out, um, we were really thinking we would do larger cash flips, Right. So buy for, you know, buy a large piece of acreage for, you know, 50 grand and sell it for 80 and make like real money. Right. Like that's just not the world that, that we ended up playing in. And we were, you know, we were always saying like our, our town is, even though we're in Massachusetts, we're, we're, um, or we have a very low tax rate, which is why a lot of people live here. Um, but you have to fight for everything. You have to fight for every dollar that goes into the schools and all that. So we had always wanted to take a certain percentage of the business, right? And really just try to get uh, the local community to where it ought to be, right? Um, so as soon, I think as, as we get bigger, we're going to start getting into that more. Um, you know, but I like, I like the fact that I can have that conversation with someone and say, I don't really care. Like you tell me you're going to pay, we're going to give this a go. Right. And I've had, you know, and to be fair, like I had a person who, um, who probably was six, seven months in and she called me and was like, listen, I lost my job. My world is upside down. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, you can do a couple of things. Like we can make it so that you don't have to pay for a few months, but really do you want the property? And she's like, I, I don't like, I, I can't, everything has changed. And I'm like, no problem. Here's a refund. Here you go. And she's like, excuse me. I'm like, what do I care? I'll go resell it to somebody else. Here's your money. Take care of your family. It's all good. And because I'm not a bank, I get to do stuff like that. And it's kind of fun, you know? Um, so, you know, as a family company that actually owns the property, like we can do whatever we want to do, which sounds weird, right? But we can help people if they need it. So, yeah. Super cool. That is super cool. Now, do you have a list of people who come in like vultures? Hey, whoever defaults, we want to pick where they left off. Um, you know, I could see, you know, 
people wanting to say, I'd love to be on that list because, you know, there are people always who want to vulture around when they. Oh, yeah. see, I don't, I don't, so I don't have a default list, but nor, nor do I get very many defaults. So I have friends in this business who get, you know, they've got a hundred notes, right? And they've got two to three people who default like clockwork every month. And they're like, yep, just part of the business. I'll just resell it to somebody else. I'm like, I don't have that. Why don't I have that? And I, you know, other than just, we try to do it a little bit differently. Um, I don't really have that problem. Other than that, I've had, I've had two people default who were in the first like couple of months. So we're like, whatever, we have a 90 day guarantee. If you don't like your property, I'll just give you your money back. Like, I don't, I, you need to like your property. I don't do this full time. Right. I don't have time to sit around and haggle with you and do all that. If you don't want to take it, it's fine. Like it's all good. Right. Um, and then I had like two other people default total. Right. And one of them was that woman that I was telling you about. And that was just an easy, you know, refund. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't keep a list like that. Right. Like I, I don't, I don't think I, it's not that I don't want to do business with those people, but right. Like I want you to love, I want you to love your land. Right. That's the whole point of this. Now, with talk about haggling, mm -hmm. um, how many people call you and say, you know, I know you said this was the price, but I have like Dave Ramsey cash and Dave tells me cash is king. Cash is king. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Do, do, do you haggle at all with the price on that? If I think you're serious now, 100 percent. Actually, no. 100% minus one guy. When people go like, hey, Matt, I know you want $28,000 for this property, but I'll give you 20 right now. 100% of them are full of shit. Like, it never works out. So if you call me and you say that to me, like, I'm going to think you're a joker all day long, right? I had one guy do that, and I needed money for a bigger property. So I was like, sure. Like, yeah, I'll cut you a huge break. And he was like, great, let's go to title right now. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll do it. So if you want to pay cash, yeah. Like, you know, somebody saw this and they heard you and they were like, wow, those Punta Gorda lots. Like, you know, he wants, I don't even know how much they are total, whatever it is, right? You know, 19 grand, 15 grand, 12 grand. I have no idea, right? But, you know, he wants 15, you know, like I'll give him, you know, 13 or 12. Like I'd have a conversation about it. I'm not a masochist. I do like money. I'm a fan, right? Um, but most of the time, people who do that almost never follow through. You know, I think they're just, you know, playing the game. But occasionally it happens. And if, it's, if the timing is right, right, then I'll do it, right? Because I'm always, you know, all the money I make goes right back into buying more land, right? Mm -hmm. I know you had, you had um, Mike with uh, Profit First on, which mm -hmm. is a tremendous book. Like, you're a business owner and you haven't read that book. Like, what are you reading? Um, and so I, it changed me from putting all my money back in to not putting all my money back in. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I'll, sure. I'll have a discussion if you're serious. Yeah, I don't care, right? It's not like I'm not making good money, so. Yeah, and, and I mean, you are doing like, you know, Tim Ferriss had wrote about with the four hour work week. It sounds like oh, yeah. you've been doing that for a, a while. And, and I love to hear stories like that because, you know, companies, I think more people need to be working from home prior to, to COVID. I'm a big fan of that book oh, as well. Me too. I did four hour work week right, is right behind me, but 
you know, for all the, I don't know how many people who are in, you know, corporate America, you know, watch this podcast who are working from home, but I talk to them every day from my regular job. And they're like, well, when we get back to the office, I'm like, whoa, 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 Tiger. I'm sorry. Did you think your CFO is going to keep paying for that office space when you can completely run the business from home? Do you think he wants to go spend $120,000 a month on three floors in Boston? Because I'm going to go out on a ledge and say, like, dude, that ain't going to happen. Right? Like, he's like, no way. Right? For a Zoom subscription and a little bit of extra cash for internet, he can probably save $2 million a year. Like, most of you aren't going to go back. You're going to stay at home because it's so much cheaper for the company. We're actually proposing companies and we have a whole plan. You guys, because some people, well, we want to feel like we're there. Virtual reality. Put on the goggles. Sure. You'll be, if you want to be in an office setting, I personally, this is my office. My kids are doing their homeschool with their, you know, teacher. Right this is what I, you know, always wanted because I like my kids. I like my family. Um, I, I like being around them. And the office has office politics. And I'm probably the worst person for that because I have an opinion. <laughs> we could hang out. I, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, what you don't know about me is I'm actually six foot eight. So I'm a giant, right? And uh, so office me politics. Too. Me too. Don't let me stand. I'm not really six foot eight. <laughs> no, I really, I really am. And I have the lungs and the yelling capacity to go right with it. And so I thought, you know, when I took this job working from home eight and a half years ago, I didn't take the job originally. And I worked, I went to go work somewhere else. I'm like, no, I love this company. I got to do it. And I fought to get more money so I could go get like an office space somewhere. Cause I'm like, no way I can work from home. And my boss was like, yeah, no, you're not, we're not paying you more money so you can have an office, like work from your bedroom. And now that I've gotten used to it, and it's been eight and a half years. It took probably a solid year to get used to it. I would, I literally will never, ever in my life drive, sit in traffic to go to an office where I have to BS with the wrong people, play nice, deal with all that crap, watch people spend all their money going to lunch, and really nobody gets a damn thing done. Like never again, ever as long as I live. I'll never do it. Because you just, you get home, you know this, you get up, send your kids to school, have breakfast. My four kids are upstairs right now. Come down here and I work. Because what else am I going to do? Yeah. So we're going to look at Facebook all day. Like, no, I'm going to go, I'm the sales guy. We're going to go make cold calls. We're going to go send emails. We're going to go make money. Let's go people. And so I don't understand that culture of the office. I get why people think they need it. Dude, you don't need it. It's unnecessary. It's expensive. And you have the perfect, it seems, you know, podcast microphone and setup. I just want to know when is the podcast coming or if I missed it and possibly, you know, the YouTube, because I mean, I just see a niche for the podcast, a book and a documentary because you're doing business your way and it's authentic to you. And I love that because to, at some point it can't be about the money. It has to be that I enjoy doing this. I love it. So, you know, when is all that coming about? Where should we be, you know, checking? So I, I learned this business from a guy named Mark Podolsky, right? Um, and, you know, some people go, oh, he's a guru. He's one of the, blah, blah, blah. like, dude, he's the most genuinely nice person I've ever met. And he, he taught me the business. I was like a student, right? I paid for it, but I was a student and it just made sense to me. And I'm actually, I do kind of a podcast, but I do a thing on, um, 
Wednesday or Thursday nights because one of the other guys is a firefighter and he's either on or off on a Wednesday or a Thursday. But we do a, you know, we do a late night, you know, talk about land investing and answer people's questions and who cares? And we call it nightcap. And, uh, you know, I have uh, two or three cocktails and, you know, pass out, go to bed and do it again the next day. So we do that. That's why I have this mic. Um, but I haven't been doing it long enough. I mean, that, Mark's been doing this for like 18 years, 20 years. He's done like 10, I don't know, 1,000, 15,000 land deals. Like, I would never, ever step on his toes, ever, and start doing it. Like, I, there are people who do it. I, I've seen people come through the program and then start their own thing. And like, I'm the expert. Here's the MBA course. Here's this. And you're like, nah, come on. Come <laughs> on. You've been doing this for eight seconds. Like, you don't know what you're doing. I, I mean, I had a guy... I sold him his first deal and he's like, yeah, I'm the expert. I'm like, whoa, 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 sunshine. I remember you when you didn't know anything. Like, are you kidding me? And now you're charging people. I love the model of doing a, doing a podcast and, and giving and constantly pushing information for people like, like what you're doing. I love that model, but you got to be careful about who the people are that you're listening to and, and do they really know what they're talking about? Or is this something that they learned eight seconds ago and now they're trying to, you know, pawn off a, you know, some $2,000 program on you. Right. So. Well, that's the times that we're living where you have, I, oh, two weeks ago interviewed a 13 year old millionaire. I saw that. And, and he genuinely, you know, doesn't really even, it's not about the money. It's about the work again. Um, but then you'll have somebody who will be a, you know, 43 year old, not millionaire, but say they're an expert in stocks and a course they have to sell you because they took a course. And that's where I'm always a student personally, because I'm always learning, you know, yep. a book a week is, is my goal. Uh, yep. And, and, you know, we're just learning, but everybody now is an expert. And that's why you see on any news or anything, yeah. People are just talking and you're like, wait, they're arguing with the doctors who spent, you know, an additional 16 years in school. I don't get it. <laughs> I had my uncle happens to be the chief of surgery at Yale Hospital in Connecticut, Yale New Haven Hospital. And I was talking with him and he was he was talking to me about this guy who was like he, they were in some sort of public forum. And he's like, well, here's who I am. And let me give you my opinion because I see this stuff. And this was really early in COVID, like nobody cared, right? Like it was that or like, eh, you know, there's, there's some from China, whatever. And he's like, listen, he's like, we're, 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 you know, terrified in the hospital because we don't really know what it is. Like you guys all think like it's all worked out. We have no idea. And this guy started arguing with him. He's like, I, I have been a surgeon for 40 years. I have done things no other surgeon has ever done because they're too risky are you sure you read a book about like diseases yesterday and you're the expert? Like I, that's, that's the stuff. So for me, for land, like I could teach you how to do land. It's not hard. It's complicated, but it's not hard. Right. But you know, if you really want to learn from the expert, it's not me, it's Mark, you know, you go look them up and you know, you pay the money and you go do it. And like anything else, and you know, this, right. It's the people who succeed at any of these niches are just people who do it until they get it right. And they fail and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. And then all of a sudden it clicks and, and they like, yeah, like the overnight success. Like, yeah, you didn't see the last three years where it was a total complete disaster where they questioned themselves and everything. And we went through that in land. You know, I've been doing this for three years and the first year and a half was ugly. 
very, very ugly. <laughs> so. so so I can hear somebody saying, Kellen, but I didn't hear that he's an agent or he's a broker. And I yeah. haven't heard that, you know, can I bring an agent in? Because I've read so many books that say you'll get a better deal if you have an agent. So are agents involved on our, how does that process work when someone wants to, you know, purchase? Yeah. Um, the answer is I'm not an agent and I'm not a broker. I'm the landowner. And the problem with real estate agents are, they think they know everything and they do for like, if you're going to go buy a house, you go get an agent. But when it comes to raw land, the cost $12,000, it, it might as well be a mission to Mars. They have no idea how the transaction works. They have no clue what's going on. And because they don't know, they will just tell you, don't go do this. It sounds like a scam. And it is like, I, you would be shocked at how many agents I have to talk to where the person's like, I really want to buy it, but my best friend's an agent. And the agent comes on the phone and they're like, well, <laughs> harumph, you need a harumph. Like you need a, you need an agent. You must have a broker and harumph. And I'm like, listen, sunshine, I own the property. And you know that because you're smart enough to go look on the assessor's website. So did you? And they go, yeah. And I go, okay, I can sell anything I own, anything. I can go sell my car. I can go sell my house. What I can't go do is I can't go sell your house because then I'm an agent, then I'm a broker. And that's a different ball game. And so after a 25 minute discussion where they start like barking at me in the beginning, at the end, they're like, huh, I may want to invest. And I'm like, okay, that sounds really good, but you have to take them through this journey. And it's just an education of like how this particular niche works. And again, the reason they've never heard of it is every time they get a call, which is by the way, is never, and they, and they hear somebody go, yeah, I own this property and it's in the middle of nowhere and I'd like you to list it. They're like, how much? I'm like, you're going to list it for $19,000. And they're like, so 19,000 divided by 0.015. Yeah, I'm going to go sell the $500,000 house next door. Thanks, I'm good. And so they don't know the market. So to be clear, I'm not a broker. I'm not an agent. I'm the owner. Right. Okay. But you know, you, you will talk to somebody's agent if they yeah. feel like for whatever comfort reason, you yeah. know, you need to bring the agent. Yeah, that's fine. But like, am I going to pay your agent to sell my property? No, I, no, there's not enough money in the deal. That's why they're not in the deal to begin with. Right. Um, but I'm happy to talk them through how I do what I do. Right. I mean, if you sign up and you, you know, I don't know if you saw Danielle's whole video, but you know, we, we create a land contract and a promissory note. This is legal stuff. You know, this isn't a joke, right? You have rights to your property. I mean, you are on a land contract. As long as you pay me on time, it's yours, right? You, you can yeah. do what you want with it. Short of, again, you can't go build a house because otherwise you own the house, but I own the land. Like, no, nah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I think people are worried, like, if, you know, even if it was two generations ago, that there could be some back tax owed back in the, you know, gold mining days that only the agent could find. And <laughs> I could, dude, from what I know from land, I could figure out where you live. I could go get an aerial map. I can find out how much your mortgage is. I could probably go get an inside view of your house from an old realtor.com video. Dude, I can go find everything. It's all on the internet. Right. So again, you go to that assessor's site, right? And you check it out who owns the land. And then there's a link 99 times out of 100 to the tax. And they'll show you what do they owe in back taxes. And they're right there. It's all, it's almost always online. 
And if you're not 100% sure, you just call the county. There are people, and this is like all they do. They answer the phone, and they just look information up on their own website, and they give you the information. And then it's coming from the county. And you do want to do this stuff. It's not a joke. I mean, you, you're, you're buying a piece of actual property, right? You want to make sure that there's not that much taxes that are owed. You want to know, right? The people I know who are serious, they call me up and they go, I want to buy this property. And I go, okay, great. And they go, but you owe $184 in back taxes for last year. So what happens? And I'm like, well, I, I will pay the taxes. I have to, or I lose the property, right? Um, and when I, when I deed it over to you, I, I, I warrant that I will have paid all back taxes on the property, right? In a warranty deed. That's a special kind of deed, right? It's not a, it's not a, um, a treasurer's deed. There's all sorts of these kinds of deeds out there, but I, I only sell things on a warranty deed, meaning that I, I accept that this property is what it is. There's no clouded title to it. There's nothing interesting going on. There's, no, there's none of that stuff. It doesn't exist. And if it does, I'm on the hook for it, right? That's what a warranty deed does, right? So we only sell on those, but you should go do your due diligence on these properties for sure. And, and my, my final question because of the climate that we're in and borders being closed and, you know, coming um, recently from Seattle, Washington and being from California and seeing how foreign investment is buying up everything. I mean, the biggest building in Seattle is owned by uh, uh, foreign, you know, China. Um, how, How do you, how does, you know, that investment, not just come and say, hey, you want this and you're selling it for so cheap, I'm going to buy it because we have the cash, uh, no matter how we got it, you know, manipulating currencies and all that other stuff we hear in the news. How do yeah. you stop foreign investment from just buying all this land? Um, well, part of me said, if somebody came and said, I want to buy everything you own and everything get your hands on, I would say, okay, that sounds <laughs> lovely. I'll sell it all. Um, but the reality is, you know, there's either big private equity firms who come in and they like just take over a real estate niche, right? Um, you know, whether that niche is multifamily, gone, right? You can buy, you know, you can buy Bs, B minuses, turn them into B pluses. That, that still exists, but that whole market is flooded. So, you know, you're out um, or storage. Private equity came in and foreign investment came in. They bought up all the storage or all the nursing homes, like, They've come in because these are big ticket items, right? Where there is an appreciation play, right? And they see it and it makes sense. It doesn't really make sense to buy 0.23 acres in Punta Gorda, Florida. It's just not the same thing. They could come in and say like, we're going to buy everything, but it's so fragmented, this little niche that we're in, that I don't ever think that they really could. I mean, there are some big dogs out there you know, who own, you know, like I know one guy who owns, I don't even know, maybe, I don't know, maybe a hundred to 300 square miles in Texas. And he just constantly is, he sells them. And unfortunately his model is he doesn't think you're going to pay. Right. He sells them for about the same price I sell them for, but he charges interest. And so he actually ends up selling them for about double. If you did the math, it's double. And most of his stuff comes back to him at some point. And then he has to go like resell. So there are, there are players that are like that. And I could see foreign investment coming in and being like, yeah, I'll give you 50 million for all that property. And then they run the business, but that's not really what they're looking for, right? They're looking to, to come in and buy, 
you know, 4,200 unit multifamily properties at a time, right? And just buy and hold and wait for that, you know, wait for that appreciation to come in, do small improvements, you know, that kind of a thing. But in our market, it's so, it's so complicated and there's so many moving pieces that they'd have to put in a big infrastructure here in the U.S. just to handle it. And while the margins are good, I mean, the margins are excellent in what we do. It's on such a small number that it's like irrelevant. You know, you're like, wow, I'm going to double my money or I'm going to triple my money. That's awesome. I triple my money, but it takes 10 years. So mm. it's like, it's not that exciting. I got to go do that three, four, five hundred times, right? To really, you know, really be, you know, something that would be attractive. Mm. And almost nobody does that because it's so much work. Eventually you have enough loans where you can, and enough notes where you can quit your job. And you sort of just do this full time on the side. And it's more of a freedom thing than it ever is. A, you know, I'm going to be worth a billion dollars kind of a thing. Okay. Well, no, this is great information. Will there be a book, a documentary? <laughs> no, no book. No, <laughs> no book, no book, no documentary, no course. I mean, you know, maybe, but I don't, I don't think I'm the guy, right? I mean, I'm like, uh, just a humble little, uh, you know. You want five acres in Colorado? I'm your guy, right? Yeah, I think everyone. I think everyone has a business and a book in them, and that you know you have a personality that people will be like, "Yes, I want to hear it from him because he's not pressuring me to sell. He's not telling me I'm a loser if I don't get his course." You know, because there's this model of go through our funnel system and learn how to make money residual. Da, 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 and you're like, yeah. "Gosh, shut up." Yeah. You know? Well, I. So I feel like I would be, I don't know. Like I have allegiance to that guy, Mark. Mm. I have allegiance to that guy. Like he set me free. He did it. He's, his name is Mark Podolsky. He's called the land geek. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's that guy. He's not the guy who pressures you by the way, but he is the guy that's been doing it for so long. It's ridiculous. So I, I think there is a book in me, Callan, by the way, and there is, but it's not about land. It's about, actually how to sell B2B mm. and it's, you know, let's just cut through the red tape and talk about what actually matters in that space, which is more of my actual job. Um, but I don't think I would do it. Uh, maybe if Mark retired, I don't know. I feel like I'd be stepping on his toes, man. I, I like that guy too much. I, I definitely get that. And maybe there's, you know, something he's not tapping into or he'll even join you, but I, I get the, um, you know, you're, you're loyal. And it's yeah. like, he's doing that. So let me push his stuff and push you to him. I just know that there's, a, you know, the, the work is plentiful. The labor is few. Oops, almost knocked over a light. Um, and, <laughs> and that this is something I believe should be taught in the middle schools and high schools yes. because it would allow somebody who's not making a lot of money. And I'm almost, I'm going to go back and talk to my wife and say, I want to have people follow this journey um, or have one of my influencers that have it follow the journey of buying it, paying for it and explaining to the folks who we mentor or coach or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, because it, it's something that's unique and things that can make you a lot of money, but it's not about the money I love. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, the, on the, you know, the, um, the things that are taught in school, like, I don't know if you've ever played, you know, cash flow, but I play cash flow with my kids. I mean, I literally, I have, I mean, he's now 
my oldest is 14, turned 14, you know, two days ago. But when he was nine, we got a nine-year-old who would be, you know, sitting at our house and some, you know, so one of our friends or, you know, I run the Cub Scouts. So, you know, somebody's in the house and they say something. And he goes, no, no, that's wrong. That's not an asset. That's a liability. <laughs> and, and, the, and the adults like, ex, like you're nine. What do you know? And he's like, well, no, that's, and, and he would start explaining assets and liabilities to adults who didn't understand. And I'm like, Patrick, you can't like you, they, they're, they're lost, bud. They, they would have to go play the game and like go actually want to learn what financial like freedom actually means and how this works. They don't get it. And he couldn't understand that concept. So for years, like people would come to my house and he would start and I'd be like, Nope, there's, we'll play cash flow later. But you know, if you've, you know, have you ever played, you ever played the game? I've played that, but our game is act your wage by Dave Ramsey. My kids oh, okay. yep. are tired of that one. Cause they're all, you know, they're very similar. Like yeah, they are. Yeah. you need to get out of debt and yeah. these are, it teaches you assets versus liabilities. Yeah. So yeah, I've played that and I'm the king of like monopoly, but I love that those games because they put you in situations that you're like I never wanted to be here I never want to have three kids I have two I never want to have three kids and only making 40,000 how am I supposed to make this work but that's a real life scenario for many yeah for I think for most people that's the and they and you sort of wake up and you're 38 right and you're like I got two kids I make okay I make more than the average right 40 grand is a little higher than the average out there but not by a lot and like, it's damn hard to survive on $40,000. So what do you do? You go back and you get a, a second job or you're working for somebody else. It's like, no, man, that is not, you need to understand what it is to be financially free and then how to get there. And then you got to go do the hard thing, right? You got to go do the work, pick a niche. I don't care what the niche is. The niche is irrelevant, right? I picked land, you know, Danielle picked, you know, protecting houses, preservation. doesn't matter what you pick. You got to pick something and you got to stay committed and you got to say, this is three years. I'm 38. I'm going to be 41 before I give up, right? That's my benchmark. And I'm going to work at this every day for three years. And if I can get to three years, I probably would have replaced that 40 grand income long ago. Right. And that's what people have to do. And they're not willing to do it. It's like, well, yeah, I could, but I'm going to go like Netflix and chill. You're like, yeah, that doesn't pay the bills. Cancel that subscription. Go read a book, go get a course, get after it. Or you're going to be three years is coming either way. Either you're going to be financially free in three years or you're not. The only other option is you're dead. So let's leave that one out of it. So you might as well go put the time in. Then in three years, be financially free. 40 grand isn't a ton of money to uh, displace with a side hustle if you're really working it and you find a good mentor and you find a good niche. 40 grand is not that hard, but you got to commit. I think that's what people don't know. They're like, well, I just, I'm going to watch Netflix. I'm going to go back to work tomorrow. And you're like, yeah, the guy who's getting rich ain't you. It's your boss's boss's boss, the owner of that company. So I'm with you 100%. It bothers me. I try to get all of my friends, they're all in the same boat. You know, they all work for a living. They all probably have a seventy-seven in the bank. And if something bad happens, they're in real, real trouble, right? And they won't, they don't want to hear it from me anymore. No. <laughs> 
with that, we can do a mic drop because <laughs> that just gave you, that's what this platform is to do, to show you how entrepreneurs start, sustain, and succeed in their business so you can too. Yeah. Matt, I thank you for coming on. I yeah, definitely great. am going to be talking about you um, and your ears will be ringing. Appreciate it. You guys like, share, subscribe. You have been blessed. You've actually gotten a game overload. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>